Hi, my name is John Cerrito. I'm the writer and director of The Way You Look Tonight, and you're listening to Inside Your Head. Welcome to Inside Your Head. This is Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Joseph Cross of Running with Scissors, Lincoln, one of my favorites, Mindhunter, and director of Summer Night, which comes out July 12. It's very cool to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, for people not aware yet, can you give them an idea of what Summer Night is about? Summer Night is a uh, one-night coming-of-age ensemble film. Um, with romantic comedy elements uh, and a big rock and roll component. Do I sound old saying rock and roll? Big music component. Uh-huh. <laughs> all the kids say rock and roll. Do they? Okay, cool. As long as rock no, and roll still exists. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If it's, sure. all, yeah. it's all electric now. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is your direct, uh, tour, uh, how do you say directorial debut. Uh, so how did you yeah. get involved and what was it about summer night that, you know, this is a, this is the project you wanted to direct. Um, I became friends with the writer, Jordan Jolliffe, and he and I started sending each other material and he sent me this and I just thought that he had something really, really special with a lot of heart in it. Um, and I grew up in a similar small town, uh, you know, uh, outside of the city. And um, I had musical aspirations as a child. Um, and so, you know, there was just something about it that really stuck with me. And I could kind of see right after reading it how somebody might do this. And it was just pretty organic. Jordan and I just sort of started, I started throwing him ideas on the script. And, you know, he would start reworking it. And he would come up with other stuff. And we started passing it back and forth. And he was working for James Ponsel uh, as a writing assistant on the circle at the time. And so once we had the script in the right place, you know, I said, you know, let's, let's see if James might do us a big solid and, uh, executive produce it for us. And thankfully James is awesome. And he said he would. And, uh, from there we were sort of off to the races. Now, had you worked with Jordan before? Like how did you become friends? No, we had a, a mutual friend, um, Lucas Evans, who's also an executive producer on the film. Um, he was working with Jordan on the circle and he introduced us and we just got on well and we started exchanging material. And this is something he had written when he was at, uh, I think it was the first script he had ever written when he was up at Chico, uh, Chico state, um, in Chico, California. And, uh, just a really honest, raw look at, uh, what small town life was like. And, um, it just really, really stuck with me. Yeah. I'd read that you were a musician. You just brought up and from a small town. So were there any specific characters that you like, uh, felt connected to, or was it just like the idea in general? Well, you know, when, when I first read the script, my wife and I were thinking about having kids. And then by the time, uh, James came on and we were starting the early, uh, earlier process of, of casting it. My wife was pregnant with our daughter, with our first child. And um, then by the time we were shooting it, my daughter had been born. So, you know, there's the big driving, I think, question in the movie is, is Seth's dilemma or Seth and Mel's dilemma as to whether or not they should 
transitioned from uh, childhood into adulthood by having a child of their own. And so I was grappling with a lot of that myself. So I think that um, that storyline in, in particular, I think, uh, uh, stuck with me. Yeah. I like some of the dialogue there, too, because some of his friends, well, one of his friends was like, you know, this is 2019 or whatever. How do you, you know, how do you get pregnant if you don't yeah. want to get pregnant? You know? And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's fitting because yeah, I think that is kind of a question today. It's true. Yeah. You know, it was a really fun uh, thing that, that Jordan came up with. And Hayden Zito is just, he's so talented. He's such a good actor that he just like, he explodes into that movie um, with that. It's, it's so funny. And um, yeah, Jordan has a couple really fun little insightful moments, like Chris Davis's dialogue um, about one-year-old birthday parties. Just right. you know, a totally different perspective, something I had never thought of. But uh, yeah. you know, it really made me laugh when I read it. And then Chris does such a a beautiful job delivering those lines. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting too. His character really isn't much older than anybody. But he's so much different just because of uh, just a little bit of the age and life experience. Yeah, he and Justin Chatwin, their characters sort of represent the two paths down which these young men might go. You know, they're eight or ten years older than the rest of the guys. One of them is still just boozing on the porch all day long, shirt off, not a care in the world, uh, you know, but also maybe not a ton of um, meaning to the life. And then Chris is the opposite, you know. I got to get home. I had to negotiate my one night out. Having uh-huh. kids is really, really tough. You should never get old if you can avoid it. You know, so the younger guys get to look at uh, two different archetypes um, for what they might uh, grow up to be. Yeah. And are, were you hands-on on, on the casting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't have a casting director, so it was just pretty much pretty much all me um and you know my wife's the producer on the movie audrey tomasini and our other producer tara ansley so you know i would be bouncing ideas off of them of course um but no it's just really you know sort of scouring uh lists of uh actors in the right age ranges and um getting submissions from agents and managers and some people like justin chatwin who i'd known for like 10 years you know just thinking like oh i know justin will kill this part if i can convince him to uh to come on out and make the movie and it's a really natural organic process where you feel in your gut okay this person's right and reach out to him and um i i avoided uh making anybody audition whenever i could you know i would just look through all their past material and then sit down with them and have a chat and say all right well great you know you can clearly act and you're right for the part so if you want it let's go and do it um and then on the couple occasions where people did audition, it was just because, you know, maybe I hadn't seen them play too much comedy before, you know, okay, they're, they're right for the part, but do this one scene and just have fun with it and send it in. And as long as it works, then, then let's do it. So pretty much anybody who auditioned, they were the only one um, auditioning because, um, you know, I'm an actor too, and I know what I'm looking for. So there's no, I don't need to waste anybody's time. Do you think the background in acting uh, helped you as a director? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, having been in the industry for 20 years, I had, uh, you know, made a lot of connections that enabled me to get something like this off the ground as well as, uh, you know, observed a lot of great filmmakers on set. Um, and so, you know, it all sort of seeps into you as you're going and it, yeah, it definitely helped. 
Is that something you were thinking about when you're on set of movies? Like, uh, you know, you're watching the directors or is it just something you just pick up because you're there? No, I mean, not really. I hadn't, I hadn't really been thinking about it until I found the script and as we were developing it, it just kind of became clear that like I should be, or it became clear to me, you know, I didn't want to hand it over to anybody. I wanted to shoot it myself. So, you know, I, you're always watching the director as an actor for feedback and to understand, you know, where you are in the day and their sort of general disposition. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't on set, you know, doing milk thinking like, Oh, I'm going to direct something one day. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't until really recently that I kind of, that that was going to happen. But then, you know, I, I did, I watched Jean-Marc Bellet direct the first season of Big Little Lies. And, um, you know, he is just such a trailblazer. Uh, I had never seen anybody do it like he did it. And I thought, you know, wow, that's, that's really cool. I, I would love to, to, to try to, to do something like that. Yeah. I was happy to see uh, Ella Hunt in the movie because I was a huge fan of Anna and the Apocalypse. I saw it on the festival yeah. scene before it goes theatrical release. Is uh, that where yeah. you, you first saw her? I found Ella, um, uh, her, I, I'd known her agent actually for a really long time. Um, and I knew him since he was an assistant and he was sending me a list of some people, you know, that he thought might be right for it. And her material was in there and immediately I was like, Oh wow, this is this person she's got it. And so I watched a couple more tapes of hers and, um, just sort of by a, a stroke of luck, she and Callan had worked together, uh, like five or eight years prior and they had really gotten on. And, and so the chemistry for them was just built in and, uh, and we were able to get them both to, to come to the movie. And it was great. Yeah. So how about the bands in the movie? Um, were there, how, how did you go about finding them? So I have two extraordinary music supervisors, Rob Lowry and Ryland Soroff. And um, uh, Rob came on first and he and I really sort of built the, the, the beginnings of what the sound of the film would be. Um, particularly the Whitney album, Light Upon a Lake, was kind of like the, the North Star. I listened to it a lot while I was uh, developing the film. So, you know, we kind of knew we kind of knew what the landscape of the, of the music would be. And then when we were casting the bands, you know, I wanted them each to have a very distinct look and distinct sound. So we went through a bunch of different bands and found Ruby, the rabbit foot roadkill ghost choir and deep state. And, uh, you know, they just, they fit the bill. They were, they were perfect. And then the actors had to learn how to play the songs and they did and got up there with the band and, um, yeah, and then we shot it all uh, at this venue called the Alamo. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that a real place, the Alamo? Yeah, yeah, it is, in Noonan, Georgia. It's a great little music venue. Yeah. Now, uh, how did you know about it? Were you familiar with it before you started making the movie? Or? No, our producer, Tara, Tara Ansley, had scouted this town and found this great venue. Um, and so, you know, we said, all right, this town really matches. It kind of feels like a small town anywhere in America and they've got this perfect little town square and this music venue, you know, let's, let's go shoot it there. So that's what we did. Yeah. So I saw, I noticed a thin Lizzie uh, t-shirt in the movie. Uh, yeah. did you, uh, any particular reason you picked thin Lizzie? 
Seth Jordan Jala. Seth's in the script. That's been in the script since day one. Um, that was how we introduced Taylor. That was, you know, how he saw the character. And so we were able to get clearance on it and we just stuck with it the whole time. Same with the Destroyer song um, that that uh, Victoria Justice and Eller Coltrane's characters, Harmony and Jameson, listened to on their way to, to the music venue. Uh, that's been in the script since day one and we were able to license it and um and uh and yeah and that's uh yeah so you mentioned the actors you know uh get up there to play the the songs um did you make sure you had people that could play instruments like when you're casting it or did they have to even learn how to play it all uh no you know they were they're all just really really versatile actors and great actors can usually kind of pick stuff like that up um, pretty quickly and they were all able to do that like uh you know ian played some guitar uh i think the bass was entirely new to hayden uh callan played some guitar but we put him on bass justin chatwin played a little bit of guitar um you know and they all just worked really really hard to learn these uh these songs you know particularly ian nelson stuff is a bit more complicated and um they're just really really dedicated really hardworking, super professional extremely talented uh group of people in this cast who gave it 110 percent and just went above and beyond for this film um and i you know i i really appreciate that yeah uh once you're done filming it starts uh, when you start to edit the movie um are you involved in that process oh yeah yeah i i, I had no idea how much i was going to love the edit and um our editor raymond wood great guy he and i got on super well uh you know we finished shooting next day i went into the edit and we talked through the script and he said well i can have a rough cut for you in five days but what am i going to do hanging around you know atlanta for five days i was like let's just start cutting so we just went into the edit suite and we just got into it so we we did the rough cut um together and yeah i was there the the whole time you know i want to pick all the cuts um because I want to, you know, make sure that it's getting, every scene's getting, you know, uh, we're executing what, what yeah. I think we need to, to be executing. Yeah. yeah. Having a, the background in acting, um, when you're filming it, do you have that mind? Like, I'm just going to try to film like, you know, what I want to use for the movie and not film too much. Like, did that help at all? Like you having the be, being in movies, you know, prior. Yeah, it definitely helped, you know, acting is my background. So working with actors was great. Like, and everybody was, was super cool. So that kind of was second nature to me. I, I know that language. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you still are finding things on the day and you're still trying all sorts of new stuff. So, you know, if somebody has an idea and it's better than what's in the script to use it, or if you're on take three and before take four, you have an idea where, Something's gonna, you know, switch it up and add new life. You want to constantly be open to to all that. Um, so, you know, for me, it's really about picking the right people and then empowering them to do their best and just, you know, simultaneously staying out of their way, but also guiding everybody to make sure they're, you know, everybody's in the same movie, so to speak. Um, and then once you're in the edit, just making sure you you know, pick all the right stuff to, uh, to let, to, to show, showcase everybody's, you know, best self. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
a lot about the movie is uh, uh people of certain age in their 20s you know about to become adults yeah. and uh but i think that's like a universal theme where you don't have to be that age to uh to appreciate it because you, you either if you're older you've gone through it or if you're uh not of that age yet like you're going to so uh yeah is that something you think about you know like the you know because you don't want a movie that only appeals to like a small percentage of people yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that like the decision of whether or not you want to have kids and whether or not you're ready to have kids, a lot of people go through that. Um, you know, how do you want to live your life as an adult versus how you lived it as a child? You know, what is it that makes somebody a more reliable um, person as they're getting older? You know, you have the Justin Chatwin character of Andy and the Chris Davis character of Luke sort of being the two uh, different archetypes of, you know, what you could grow up to become. And for me personally, when I first read the script, we were, my wife and I were thinking about kids uh, as we were um, putting the film together, we were pregnant with our first child. And then as we were shooting it, um, it my daughter was born and then we went and we shot the movie. So we had our nine month old, on set, who's actually in the movie? That's my daughter that Victoria's holding. Oh, very cool. Uh, when, yeah, Congratulations, yeah, first by the way. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks. But you know, so so I was going through all those same questions in myself. Um, so that helped to you know inform the movie that we made. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, down the road, eventually, to show her the movie and tell her that. I know. You know, it's funny. She she has the movies that we let her watch that she loves, like you know, the, the stuff you would imagine, but she loves like Cinderella and she loves the Lion King and Mary Poppins. Um, and I've a couple of times, you know, I've been working on my computer and I've been like, do you want to see mommy and daddy's movie? Uh, my wife is a producer on the film, Audrey Tomatini, you know, do you want to come see you and mommy and daddy's movie? And she's not totally, I don't know that she totally gets it yet. Um, but she's, she's almost two and a half. So I'm sure that she will eventually but she did a very good job yeah that's very cool so how about yourself like uh since you got into acting uh pretty young like um what were the stuff that you watched that made you decide like this is something i want to do um well you know there's so many you know movies that i was that kind of reshaped how i thought about movies like boogie nights i think anybody who grew up in the nineties, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson is going to be a big, uh, you know, I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I'm a big Alfonso Cuaron fan. Um, but I think it was, you know, the story of the movie itself was really similar to how I had grown up. So that was what initially, um, grabbed me. Boogie Nights was or What's that? Which movie was like how you grew up? I'm sorry. Oh, n- n- this movie, the the script uh, for Jordan. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. you meant Boogie Nights for a second. And I was very confused. No, like, oh, no, no, no. Not what I expected. No, <laughs> I, no, no, no. My, I did not grow up like Boogie Nights. No, oh, I grew right, up right. Uh, in a an East Coast uh, Catholic family. It couldn't be further from it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, working with like so many uh, great uh, directors, like Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, and, and people like that. Yeah. Um, I assume you pick up things when you're watch- when when you're working with them, and uh, also when you work with like some great actors that you worked with. 
Does that, do you think that helps you become a better actor? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you know what, in picking acting jobs, I'm always looking for people that are, that are great at what they do, you know, great filmmakers, great, uh, other actors. And that's what I always am, you know, drawn to is people who are going to, um, elevate me as an actor. And then, you know, once I decided I wanted to direct a movie, I'd spent so much time on movie sets that I understood, uh, the pace of them and, you know, they, they have their own language and their own politics. And I just understood how movie sets worked. Um, and I understood what it was like to work with a director as an actor. And then from there, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do in figuring out how to prep the film um, so that I had everything I needed or, you know, everything I felt that I needed uh, by the time we got to the edit. So the, the big steep learning curve for me was, you know, um, camera movement and lighting and setting the tone and the feel through that and setting the tone and the feel through the sound design and, um, and the edit, uh, that stuff was all, was all new to me because it wasn't a part of the filmmaking experience that I had experienced as an actor. Um, but it was great. I, I, I loved it. Is this something you'd like to continue to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to, to do it again. I just haven't figured out what, what it's, what it's going to be. You know, I'm waiting to find that next piece of material that pulls me into its orbit the way that Jordan scripted here. Uh, would you ever work with Jordan again? Well, I assume you would, but is this yeah. something you ever talked yeah, about? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I just saw him the other night at rom-com fest and, uh, we've got to sit down because I want to know, what else he's got in the hopper what else he's working on if he has other ideas i think that we owe each other a brainstorm for sure mm-hmm. how did how did rom-com fest get to uh well we had already sold the film to samuel goldman so they uh i don't know if they reached out to to uh Mireya, who did who, who uh, organized the whole thing or um might have been our pr firm k2 who did it they've been fantastic and uh, yeah, we were really excited to be invited down there, and we ended up winning the audience award, which was really cool. And uh, yeah, it was just a, it was it was fun. It was a great time. Yeah. So, uh, what's that experience like to watch? Uh, I know you've watched, you've probably seen movies you were in with an audience, but to watch a movie that you made with with an audience. Uh, well, it's great. I mean, it's really nice because it's thankfully the people enjoyed the film. Um, so, you know, you kind of go in with a little bit of butterflies in your stomach, but once people start laughing at the places you thought they might laugh and at places you've never imagined they would laugh, but you'll take yeah. it, you know, uh, it, um, my stomach starts to settle at that point and I can kind of, um, <laughs> enjoy watching other people, um, take in, take in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I had a, a, my short movie, uh, debut two weeks ago to festivals for summer. I watched something. Uh, and I know exactly how I felt because uh, it's only four minutes oh, wow. short, much smaller. But but I was very nervous going in, and people laughed at the right spots, and I immediately congratulations. Felt very proud. Thank you, and also won um, uh, yeah. a People's Choice Award, so it was very exciting. Oh, that's amazing! What what festival? What's the short called? Uh, Happenstance uh, Film Festival here in Boston, and the name is Umbilicus Desidero. I 
do not name it, but it's a very long name. It's uh, it's well, Latin for without congratulations. Thank you. How the one, uh, how, the how one can funniest. We see it. Sure. Uh, right now, it's, it's going to be a, it's a, just that fe- uh, festivals at the moment, but probably sometime next year it'll be uh, online somewhere. Okay, great. I'll watch out for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, where can you follow Summer Night? Uh, you know, for people to find out where it's playing and. Uh, yeah, you can going. follow. Uh, you know, so we have our own Instagram and Twitter, um, and you can also follow any of the cast. They've been really great about posting about it letting everybody know um, when it's coming out and, and how they can go see it. So you can follow Victoria and Lana uh, and everybody else and they'll, they'll keep everybody up to date. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I just want to ask you, cause uh, I am a big fan of uh, Mindhunter. Uh, what was it like to, to play a uh, serial killer? That was a cool, really cool show, you know, uh, obviously working under David Fincher is a dream. Um, Tobias Lindholm is who directed my the episodes that I was in, um, and I was a big fan of his from a hijacking and a war. Uh, I love Tobias's work, and um, you know Jonathan Groff is is a great guy, and I've met him once before. So that was a that was a really a really cool set to be on. That you do do you know as everybody says about Fincher, a lot of takes. You know, so you're you're doing upwards of 30 takes per setup and each setup has three cameras. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we would spend a day and a half on a six page scene. Um, so it's, uh, it's intensive, but it's, it's cool. It was one of those, one of those really special kind of dream jobs. Yeah. And, uh, real quick too. What, what do you think it is about serial killers that, uh, interest people so much, uh, especially currently? That is such a good question. I have no idea. I, I'm sure that there's somebody who's, I'm sure there's been so much writing about this. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know here. Maybe it's just the, there's obviously the, the fear that it could happen to you. Um, and you know, it's terrifying to think that, that people are killing just for pleasure for the sake of it. Um, so I think it's probably, it's just endlessly fascinating to people, but I, I don't, I don't know exactly why. Yeah. Well, uh, summer night is not about the serial killers and you can see it, uh, just no. July 12. No. And I really dug it. And I, I, I think other people will, and I hope uh, they come out and see it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. in college now and I get high and watch TV all day living in my mother's basement's really not that bad I got everything I need and I don't pay and I never asked to grow up so please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up don't think I'll make it Baseball cards and playing ball 
Then came my school classes that I couldn't understand And girls who wouldn't notice me at all But I never asked to grow up So please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up Don't think I'll make it through it Things have been going south since I hit puberty It looks like growing up is just too much for me When people say I need to make a move I just agree with them But I say not now No, not right now When they say I need to get a life I just agree with them But I don't know how for me